You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm excited to present uh, part two of our series on domestic violence. And I have in the studio with me, Shirley Galatly with Human Options. She's the Director of Community Relations. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So we're continuing with our series on domestic violence. And this is part two of our four-part series. And we have representatives from three organizations here in Orange County, and I'd like to um, have them each give a brief bio of themselves and also um, a little bit to tell us about each organization that's represented here today. So um, before we start our discussion on Domestic Violence and Child Abuse Awareness Month, um, we have Shirley um, Galatly, and Shirley, you're with Human Options. You're the Director of Community Relations over there. Gosh, you've spoken to uh, thousands of young people and overseen programs at um, 185 schools in Orange County in over 20 school districts. Um, You're here to present today the findings of the ACES study um, and adverse effects on children. So can you tell us a little bit about you, Shirley? Sure. Uh, Let me just start with Human Options. Human Options is an organization. This is, uh, we've been in Orange County for 33 years. And we offer services for abused women, men, and um, children. And and this is an organization that offers a, a, a continuum of services. Sometimes we just think of shelter, but we do have an emergency shelter. We have transitional housing. And we have a walk-in center that actually serves more people than the residential programs. And... We offer counseling, legal advice, uh, legal advocacy, and, um, and, and group and individual counseling. I'll tell you a little bit about what I do. I'm the director of community education, and I've been doing this for a very long time, so I've talked to very, very many um, students in Orange County. Last year, we spoke to 12,000 students, and we go out into the schools and talk about teen dating abuse. Uh, one of the reasons we do that is that nobody talks to kids about this, and about one-third of all adolescents are going to find themselves in an abusive relationship at some time in, um, in, in their adolescence. So it's very important that somebody do this. That's just staggering. Um, next, we are going to hear from Marianne Soden with Orangewood Children's Foundation. Marianne, tell us a little bit about your role over there as Community Programs Officer and um, highlight some of the work that you're doing with the FACT program, Families and Communities Together. Sure, gladly. Thank you, Kimberly. Um, with the Orangewood Children's Foundation, just uh, a little history. We have uh, nearly a 30-year history here in Orange County serving uh, youth in foster care and families. Orangewood was founded to develop an innovative um, shelter for youth. It became the Orangewood Children's Home. Um, Once that home was developed, we saw a continuing need in the community to serve youth in care, uh, developed programs to help them uh, grow into successful adults, including uh, independent living programs, uh, the Guardian Scholars Program to ensure that education was available to youth. 
Um, we uh, added in a transitional housing program for emancipated youth, youth from 18 to 25 who are uh, seeking the opportunity to learn the kinds of skills you need to be an adult and to be out and successful on their own. As we addressed the cycle of child abuse, we came around to prevention strategies, and that's the department that I oversee, community programs. In community programs, we work um, together with the county social services agency in a public-private partnership known as FACT, Families and Communities Together. That funds 12 family resource centers throughout the county. Uh, and those family resource centers are collaborative partnerships of many agencies that work to strengthen and support families in their communities, both in times of crisis and in good times. So they have everything from uh, emergency assistance and counseling services to um, Mother's Day recognitions and Easter egg hunts, um, incredible assets in each community. We also, as part of community programs, work with um, the Children and Families Commission in the development of uh, Bridges Maternal Child Health Network. This is a network that starts with our 10 highest birthing hospitals and links uh, families with uh, some risk factors to supportive services in the community, in particular uh, a network of in-home visiting providers that are working with uh, some really powerful uh, parenting curriculum to help families with the strongest start possible from the very beginning of the life of their child. Uh, and then um, they also often link back into the family resource centers to ensure that families have all the kinds of supportive services that they need. Um, and lastly, within community programs, we also work with the Commission on an AmeriCorps and VISTA program that's providing opportunities for adults to serve their nation through um, direct service or indirect service, building communities um, and addressing poverty. I love that. Before we move on to Eldon, can you tell us really quickly that 714 number for um, FACT, if anybody that was listening um, is in need of those services, that contact number to get a hold of FACT? Sure. Uh, you would call area code 714-704-8777 and we will direct you to the closest family resource center. Wonderful. And so next we have with us Eldon Baber, Executive Director of the Ra the Rays Foundation, which is Orange County's Child Abuse Prevention Council. I'm going to ask you, Eldon, to tell us what that is um, so everybody is aware that our county has this service. But also you're going to share with us today really the reality of abuse in Orange County and uh, share with us an event happening this month that will help raise awareness on child abuse. But before you get in, you have brought 30 years of experience in working with at-risk youth populations, both at the local, state, and national levels. So welcome to uh, Real People OC. Tell us about you and your organization. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, the Race Foundation is, as you said, the Child Abuse Prevention Council for Orange County. And what that means is that 40 years ago, I know we're the old ones in the room now. Mm. Oh, you're um, not that old. Yeah. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, 40 years ago, the county supervisors authorized the creation of a Child Abuse Prevention Council. Now, every county is required to have one, and the Race Foundation serves that role for Orange County. In that role, our responsibilities are to help coordinate services to encourage collaboration between other organizations such as Human Options and Orangewood. Um, as a matter of fact, Human Options and the Race Foundation share an office space in Santa Ana, so we are kind of roommates, so to speak, at times. We also have the responsibility of 
the overarching perspective of raising awareness of child abuse and child abuse issues. Uh, now, one of the things you mentioned that we have an event coming up next Wednesday, April 9th, at the Bowers Museum, is a big kickoff event for Child Abuse Awareness Month, which is, of course, April. And that'll be happening in Santa Ana at the Bowers Museum from 9 a.m. to 10.30. And what kind of individuals would it attend a child abuse awareness event? Who just wakes up on a, <laughs> on a weekend morning and say, I'm going to go to that? Help me understand that. Well, part of what we do is uh, we recognize some individuals that have made contributions to helping children and families. So there's some awards that are handed out. We also do a, a small memorial for the children that have died in the county in the prior year. There were three children that died this past year from oh child abuse. Um, so we'll do a little memorial service for them. Um, we'll, you know, we'll get anybody from the, the social worker to the doctor to the politician to uh, the mom and dad or the school teacher that just, they, they want to be part of the solution. They want to be there to recognize people's efforts and uh, just be part of making sure that children have safe, healthy families. And maybe some of your volunteers. Well, what I love is that I've learned about this really unique fabric. Um, this, all of these agencies are involved in a really collaborative effort to provide services and support for families that are engaged in the crisis of abuse. And um, so we begin our discussion here today with all three of you to talk about um, how we're going to build awareness here at Real People OC to share some of this. Um, Shirley, I want to start with you I, because I, I really have the question is how does somebody know that they're being abused? And I, I love how in the, um, the ACEs questionnaire, the Adverse Childhood um, Experiences study, um, there's some very simple ways you can determine if you're experiencing abuse. Yes, this is a study that was put together about 20 years ago when they started actually talking to adults who were um, still showing uh, the effects of the trauma that they had experienced in childhood. And this was showing up in these adults that they were had health issues, they had mental health issues, um, they, they couldn't keep jobs, they were uh, maybe part of the um, prison systems, and, and so they started talking to them about what had happened to them in their childhood. And as a result of the study, they came up with seven things that can happen to a child, and, and by the way, child is defined as uh, an infant through, the, through 18 years, so we're talking about all throughout childhood. If one of these, if these seven things have happened to you, you are at risk for uh, going on into adulthood and being unable to cope in, in many of the, your circumstances. Each one of these is weighted with one point. So let me just go over these seven things. Um, one of them is, did a parent or an adult in your household often or very often swear at you, put you down, call you names, or often or very often act in a way that made you afraid that you were going to be physically hurt, threaten you. Nobody's hit you yet, but there's verbal abuse and there's threats going on. The second one is, did a parent or another adult in the household actually 
push you, grab you, shove you, slap you, or often hit you so hard that it left marks or you were injured. Number three, did an adult or a person in the household touch or fondle you in a sexual way? Have you touched their body in a sexual way? Attempt to have oral, anal, or vaginal intercourse with you or actually have oral, anal, or vigil, uh, vaginal intercourse with you. That is sexual abuse. The fourth one is, did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or did you live with anyone who used prescription or street drugs or abused prescription drugs or street drugs? Number five, was there a member of the household that was depressed or mentally ill? Or did a household member ever attempt suicide? The sixth one is domestic violence. Was your mother or stepmother sometimes, very often, pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at her? Uh, sometimes was kicked, bitten, hit with a fist, hit with something hard, or ever repeatedly hit over and over again? And the seventh one was added, actually, after they had interviewed um, several thousand people. And that was, did a household member ever go to prison, or did one biological parent ever leave the family for any reason? So interesting. Mm -hmm. You, um, Eldon, had some interesting statistics to share with us on child abuse in uh, either Orange County or the national statistics that would put some of this into perspective. Sure. Um, first, uh, let me say that um, the, the numbers are reflective of a trend. And in some cases, those, those trends are positive. Um, every year, roughly around 35, 36,000 calls are made to the Child Abuse Reporting Hotline in, in Orange County. Now, the, the positive part of that is the trend is that that's decreased a little bit. Now, the indication would be that there's there's less reporting, so there might be less abuse. We don't know that for sure, but that's what we hope. Those calls, those roughly 36,000 calls, are not all substantiated. Now, a substantiated call is when someone calls in, says, I suspect abuse, an investigation is done, and it is confirmed. So of that, there's a portion of that 36,000, there's a portion that is actually substantiated. Um, in Orange County, we see anywhere between 2,500, 2,700 children that are, are in actual protective care. Um, there are some things that are, are a little bit more ominous, for, for example, the, the fact that every day in the United States, four children die from child abuse. Um, so we, we have a, a lot of information about the numbers. Um, you, you look at the actual abuse categorizations from an age standpoint, about 25% of the abuse occurs in Orange County is affecting children ages one to five. About the same amount for children in the age grouping of 13 to 18. The, the middle age group there, that, that six to 12, six to 13 age group represents about 39 or 40% of the calls. And then the last percentage uh, roughly about 9-10% are children under the age of 1. So you're looking at infants that are being abused. 
That's staggering. Is there ever a breakdown between what part of that is sexual versus phys uh, physical violence? That yes. angry version versus the, the predatory, uh, sexual predatory? Yes, and actually that's one of the awareness points that we struggle with because the, the kinds of things that the news media often will cover are the more sensational things. Sure. Sexual abuse. Well, sexual abuse is actually the smallest percentage. It's only about 10 or 11% of the cases are related to sexual abuse. The majority of the cases are actually what are categorized as neglect. So you have roughly 50 to 60% in a neglect category. Where their basic needs aren't being met. Yes. Okay. That's the case. All right. So, um, Marianne and Eldon, help me with some of the statistics that we have here in Orange County. Are there any that you'd like to share with us today so we can wrap our minds around the um, just how big of a problem this is for us? Sure. Um, I think that it's important to note that when you suspect abuse, and I'm, I'm going to say this very strongly, when you suspect abuse, you should report that. And, and how you do that is either by calling the Child Abuse Registry, which is an 800 number that you, you call into the county. It's County Social Services that operates that. You can call the police department. You can call fire department. I mean, the, the intent is if you suspect a child is at risk or is in danger or is being abused, you need to report that. It's not someone else's job. It's your job it's if your you job. have the suspicion. And, you know, that's the way I would answer your question about the first most important thing that people need to understand about child abuse is it's all our responsibility. Right. Okay, now that 800 number is 800-207-4464. That is the Child Abuse Registry in Orange County telephone number. Right. Now, last year, so give you a, a picture of what the size or scope of the problem is. Um, generally speaking, year after year there's between 34 to 36,000 calls that go into that number. Now not all of those calls are what are considered substantiated reports. A substantiated report is something where you might call in, report suspected abuse, it is actually investigated and it is determined that yes it truly is abuse. There are a number of folks who will call in. They, they suspect that a child might be in danger for whatever reason. Um, you know, some of the factors that uh, were suggested, you know, maybe there's drugs in the home or there's uh, maybe some family violence issues going on that the neighbor might hear about. So that neighbor may call in and report that. It doesn't necessarily mean that there is abuse occurring for that child. It, it may mean the child is at risk. So we're looking at around around 35, 36,000 calls that go in every year. Um, just in Orange County. Just in Orange County. Mm -hmm. um, now, to give you kind of, I, I know this is rather dramatic, but sometimes you need drama to Absolutely. Every day in America, four children die from child abuse. Wow. Now, that doesn't seem, you know, four. That's, that's not a lot. A, that, well, some, people, every day. some people would say, oh, that's not a big number, right? It is to me. Those yeah. are four children that did not need to die. They didn't have an illness. They didn't have no. a reason. No. No, no. good no There's good reason. No good reason for that. All right. So really, it's about preventing that. You, you don't treat it. You prevent it. And the way you do that is through supporting families and nurturing positive development and helping people with the right resources. Um, 
just to kind of break down the numbers for you, um, it's not just small children that are abused. So when you when you look at the abuse cases in Orange County, about 28%, 29% are children between the ages of one and five. So about, you know, about a quarter of the reports are children one to five. The most helpless. Right. About 39, 40% are children six to 12. Roughly 25% are children 13 to 18. Now, for me, what, what is terrible is that the balance of those kids, they're under one. Ugh, that's They're rolling. infants, okay? Right. And that's, that's, that, it breaks my heart to think of any child being abused. It's about 10%. Yeah, but a completely defenseless infant being abused. Just, uh, I, for me personally as a dad, I, uh, I, I just can't, I can't grasp that. Um, it's not something that I can deal with emotionally very well at times. Um, Especially when you're faced with it every day. Yeah. Now, the, the good news. Here's, here's a good thing. A trend in Orange County. Over the last 10 years, incidences of abuse have declined. It's not huge, but it's there. It's about 5-6%. That can be significant. It's significant. That, that is reflected in saved lives. Um, the impact of, of abuse is something that, you know, I, I think is, was pointed out. It affects not just the child, it affects the adult that that child is going to become. Children who are abused are twice as likely to become caught up in the juvenile justice system. In other words, become delinquent. Um, a recent study that was done of 17,000 adults showed that a, a very, very large proportion of individuals have more significant health risks. I mean, it, 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 twice as likely to become alcoholic, twice as likely to, to abuse substances, either licit or illicit, um, twice as likely to have family dysfunction like uh, divorce and domestic violence and those kinds of things. So, you know, when you think about abuse, it's, it, it's not just in the today, it's in the tomorrow that it affects not just that child, but the family and the community. Um, children, a, a, a very significant thing that occurs in, in a lot of kids who are actually removed from the home and taken into protective care, a very, very significant proportion of girls who stay in protective care, in other words, they, if you will, graduate when they turn 18 and they're out on their own now, 40, 50, 60% of those girls will have a child that ends up back in the foster care system. So we're, we're repopulating the foster care system by not preventing this from right. occurring. Right, right. So that really comes to you, Marianne, is to talk about the resources and what the resources that we have available to us are doing here in Orange County. It, it seems to me that the work that you do with the whole family is probably the m critical. I mean, I understand that removing the individuals that are being abused is a place to start but is there um is there a lot of work to be done as you would say both Shirley you and Marianne with with helping the families um towards a more healthful path are you finding that people just don't know how to raise kids um 
I would not say people don't know how to raise kids, but it's a very complex undertaking and in a society with a lot of different types of stress and challenges. Um, I mean, Shirley's list, you know, there there's drug issues in communities, there's gang issues in communities, there's um, a lot of uh, economic challenges. And so families are under a lot of stress. And I think what we see through our family resource centers is um, how much families welcome support and how well they respond to it. Last year, we had over 5,100 families that were served through the different family resource centers in the FACT network. And that was almost 15,000 individuals. And being able to connect with them early as the stress is starting um, to affect their family and to be able to offer key services um, like a family advocate that might you might meet at a South Orange County Family Resource Center who's gonna um, talk to you and help you identify really kind of all the different stresses that are affecting your family so that we can work together around that um, those different issues or some families just need basic needs and to have a place that you can go that has a food bank and maybe helps you for that week connect to the um, your next check when you can continue to feed your child sometimes it's very small things that help these families manage the stress uh, sometimes it's a more comprehensive uh, counseling program or they might take a parenting class. Um, we're doing a lot of work now around um, father engagement, really encouraging and inviting fathers to play that very important role within their family and with their children. And so I think one of the nice pieces about family resource centers is that we really try and assess families and meet them with the needs, their real needs, and, and ensure that they connect uh, to those and so at the end of the day we want families that are healthy and successful oftentimes we see they come back to be the volunteers within our organizations and our family resource centers and um, our biggest source of referrals into the family resource centers is prior clients and community members who have experienced um, success um, within themselves and their families and they're inviting their neighbors because neighbor awareness I mean everyone knows a family in stress sure and uh, and so maybe sometimes it's just looking and thinking, oh, look at that mother who's, I know she has elderly parents and different things and offering a day of respite. I mean, that can help a family, all kinds of families, just to know there's that support and connection and that they're not so alone. So if you're just tuning in with us, this is Real People OC and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. And we are continuing on with part two in our series on domestic violence here in Orange County. We kicked that off about four, uh, three or four weeks ago with Human Options, Vivian Kleekak and Nora Caldwell as our first guests talking about the issues of domestic violence in Orange County. And now we have three organizations represented here today. Um, April is child abuse awareness month and so we're taking the time to look at these uh, organizations learn a little bit about them and what they have to offer uh, members in our community and also um, to learn about the resources if you for any reason need to share the uh, resources with family or friends we have with us uh, Shirley Galatly and Shirley is with Human Options and Marianne Soden she is community um, chief community programs officer over at Orangewood Children's Foundation and we have Eldon Baber who is um, here representing the Rays Foundation and the Orange County um, Council right on, on child abuse did I say that right I'm looking for my notes <laughs> so, child abuse prevention council thank you 
I, I knew we'd get to it. Um, so I love how you said, Marianne, that sometimes it's just one thing that's needed to keep the individual or the family from tipping that balance from homeostasis and into crisis. Are you finding that it's it's usually a financially linked issue? Is the is the weight of the economy and the effects it's having on our society causing a rise in child abuse? Can we make that correlation or would that really be a mistake? Actually there there was some suspicion that that would be a very, very significant factor but it, it hasn't necessarily been mm-hmm. borne out that that's mm-hmm. the case. And I think that if you look at it from the, from the perspective of the background on substantiated child abuse, you know, wh- what are the factors? What are the risk factors that occur? Yes, lack of resources creates stress. It's the stress that in many cases causes an abusive environment. It's also things like Uh, substance abuse or alcoholism so if there are dysfunctions within the family structure if the parent is having an issue um, sometimes it's uh, you know a family member that might be in the grips of depression and as a result of the depression the child is neglected now it's not that any of these individuals want to be a bad parent I mean it it's not the case that people intentionally have children. I believe it is not the case that people intentionally have children so that they can be a bad parent. It's typically more lack of resource, a lack of awareness, a lack of education. Um, Simple things, for example, I'm one of those dads when my kids were young that did the oop-de-oop. You know, you have the kid and you kind of toss them up in the air and they giggle and you catch them when they come down. Right. How many of us have done that? (laughs) Probably everybody on my block. The problem is no one told me that at an early age, a child's brain is so fragile and still in development that that motion of going up in the air and being caught and then the head bouncing can cause brain damage. It was actually a traumatic event. It could Hmm. be a physically traumatic brain injury. Wow. Now, nobody told me that. I didn't know. I wasn't trying to hurt my child, and thankfully I don't think I did. Right. They all seem to have turned out okay. Well, I think about where we've come from, you know, in the past. I, w- I mentioned in the very first show that uh, my grandmother leaned over once when my then two-year-old was acting up in a restaurant, and she said, a good smack on the ass would solve that. And I remember thinking, I don't think that's going to work either. But there's so much about... Um, there's so much generational uh, stuff that we carry from generation to generation. How we parent is something that we really bring from our past. It's so fascinating to me how much it's changed through awareness. Um, it's probably a good time, surely, to talk about the ACES study and the findings that you've come up with. I was so blown away by the statement in the ACES study um, that talked about the alchemy of taking that pure gold of the child and, um, and if you make the mistake, turning, turning that gold into lead. And I, I just thought that was so poignant. Can you talk to us a little bit about the findings of the ACEs study? Well, I, uh, first of all, I, I think it's important for us to realize that, that one of the things that, I, uh, that Bruce Perry, who is an uh, expert on 
children and brain development and when it comes face-to-face -face with trauma or violence and what happens to that child. And one of the things that Bruce Perry says that I love is that children need two things, and we can all remember two things. And that is that children need rhythm. They need to, to know what's going to be happening, and it needs to happen over and over, and they need relationships. And you were just talking about how important it is for a neighbor to get involved in a child's life or, or a, a teacher or it, those of you who are out there, here's one wonderful thing to remember that one caring adult for a very short time in the life of a child can make the difference between whether that child will be resilient and go beyond what has happened to them or will not. And I think that's important. A very short period of time, one caring adult. Well, and I think that's correct. And I think it's why you see in Orange County so many um, mentoring programs and opportunities for adults to be involved. Um, Orangewood has a mentoring program. CASA is a wonderful program that um, mentors and uh, creates that sustained relationship. Uh, big brothers, big sisters, I mean, I can think of, of a lot of different programs and those opportunities and those relationships that a young person has with a caring adult are transformative and very, very important. It's a really good comment, Marianne, because in that study, the ACES study is the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. It said that you, the, well, actually not you, the brain, which I love this, the way we deal with the brain is almost like a separate entity in the study. The brain needs, and I, d I don't know why, but hearing what my brain needed made me go, oh, well, I better go out and take care of what my brain needs. Not so much me, because busy mom, we sort of tend to set ourselves aside so easily in our needs. But the brain needs 24 close and caring relationships in order to thrive. And it made me want to start to take an inventory and count, you know, how many close relationships do I have? Do I have enough? Do my children have enough? Do the people um, in my lives have enough caring and close relationships to build that balance? Um, and I'm so glad you brought up the mentoring because... If you don't have those resources within your family, I, for one, have a very small family. Um, I don't have that, you know, network of 100 people showing up to the family reunions. And so you almost have to reach out to, to get what the brain needs. And um, maybe you want to tell about a couple other features of the ACES study and maybe where people yeah. can learn and dig a little bit more on the ACES yeah. study. Uh, what you're quoting actually is Dr. Bruce Perry's. I, I brought two studies. One was what Dr. Bruce Perry, who you can Google Dr. Bruce Perry, and you find all of his, um, he's done for about the last 20 years, been studying um, the effects of trauma on childhood brains. And um, and that 24, what that comes from, he says the brain, when uh, year, many, many, many generations ago, we were born into very small intergenerational communities, and that's who raised us. And he said over the years, we have more and more isolated families so that we now have families that live far away from each other. And so 
that has gone. And, and so children are very now dependent on that um, a few people in the family. If that family is chaotic, remember I said the child needs rhythm. If that child from day to day does not know what to expect, and that things will be going on okay and then all of a sudden everything gets really loud and and dangerous and that child's little heart starts beating and and all of uh, everything that when we see when we come face to face with danger our body reacts it pulls all of those uh, reaction chemicals into our brain and if that happens to a child over and over and over again, it changes that child. In other words, the child gets to a point where they can't self-regulate themselves anymore. And so here's a little, here's a little six-year-old in um, kindergarten for the first time, and there's all this kind of chaos going on around them, and and their little hearts beating, even though it's not really dangerous for them. And so they're kind of bouncing off of walls. They're not, what Dr. Perry says is they're often misdiagnosed with ADHD because oh, that's already this child is very super vigilant, not trusting of others. And this just is gonna go on in this child's life on into adolescence where and on into adulthood. One of the uh, lines in the study is that all functioning is state dependent. It's all dependent upon yes. this, the quality of your environment, really. Well, so, so in other words, if you're always in a heightened, all of us have trauma that happens to us. I mean, every day something happens. The phone and rings. <laughs> the phone rings or, or, or something happens and our hearts pound a little bit. And if we have been in a normal situation and, and raised in, in a fairly normal way, then we are able to bring ourselves back down to a, what we call a normal state. The child who grows up in this home where they're constantly in this hypervigilant state and can't get back down to a normal state, even when they're in a normal situation. So that's what state means. Okay. And then <coughs> that constant exposure to a neglectful, chaotic, and terrorizing environment. Um, the study goes on to talk about some of the significant health impacts later on in life. Um, can you talk to me, both of or all of you, about some of the resources that are helping with that particular aspect of abuse in your organizations? Um, where you, the, maybe perhaps the counseling component or... Um, uh, maybe intervention at some point? Um, sure, I'll offer um, one of the resources that we have um, that's working really with our um, youngest children. And, and this is Orangewood Children's Foundation, Marianne speaking. Oh, yes, thank you. It's Marianne. <laughs> and I'm talking about the Bridges Maternal Child Health Network, which is really looking to um, work with families right from the birth of a child. And so actually it's a network that starts with the hospitals and connects into public health nursing and uh, community-based home visitation and in those situations we're matching families up with in-home visitors that are using um, a curriculum called triple P and it's a parenting education 
curriculum, but the home visitors are also able to link families with different kinds of resources they might need. Um, <clears throat> maybe they need additional diapers and food. They might connect them to a family resource center. Um, they may need some uh, food stamps or other kind of supports they can continue to connect families in. But working with families in their home with their child, um, typically from birth through age three, we have both an infant and a toddler program, um, enables us to really um, address those kind of traumatic events and prevent them by being there with the families, by giving them good skills uh, for parenting and the confidence um, and the technique so that they know um, how best to manage children. Okay. Anything that you'd like to report, Eldon? Well, I think one of, uh, Marianne already mentioned the family resource centers, and, and those, I think, are a very, very significant resource in the community. Um, one of the key positions there is, is a individual called a family advocate. And this is someone that if you or I were to walk into the Family Resource Center, this individual could sit down with us and kind of just do an assessment with us. You know, how's your life going? What's going on? Uh, what do you need? What, what do you not have access to? And they will actually develop kind of a strategy or a, a work plan, if you will, um, a pathway for each individual family and for the people involved in those families. And then we'll spend anywhere from 90 to 120, 180 days following up with that family to help them walk through that personal plan. In, in other words, moving them from where they were to a better place and actually helping and advising and mentoring and kind of linking them with other resources that they might need. Okay. Um, go ahead, Marianne. Um, and I would like to just give a shout out to those family advocates and our FRC staff because it's really um, their incredible compassion and skill set that makes them so effective um, in working with families who are often quite frightened to come in and ask for help. I think that's a difficult thing to do, but the, the family resource centers throughout the county are so um, welcoming and it's really those direct service staff that are um, really the heart and soul. Uh, and we also, within the FACT Network, we do um, track our success and we measure our outcomes. And in our share last some of that year, with us? Um, we were able to see that um, parents who were in the Family Resource Centers, um, often their ability to resolve family conflict improved, uh, that their family communication and cohesion improved, uh, that parents were more connected to social support, so there was less isolation and loneliness. Um, and that's an important part of their resilience. Um, and that parents became more involved in um, the schools and that their children's behavior in school improved. So really significant, important ways that um, families are growing and building their own strengths uh, to be successful as parents. Um, I love that in the notes there was an ROI on prevention investments. We did a show last week on um, venture philanthropy where they talk about the uh, return on capital. And um, so if anybody's listening and is interested in uh, making donations to these fine organizations, Human Options, Orangewood Children's Foundation, and the Rays Foundation. Uh, there's certainly a lot of data to um, to add to the value of those donations, and certainly the return on the investments for, for those organizations is, is significant. I like how you wrote on here the CDC study, the average cost per case of child abuse is about $210,000, but through the program that you're operating at Orangewood Children's Foundation, can you talk to us about um, the, um, 
the cost reduction is so significant. I can't believe it. Oh, sure. Um, so Orangewood, in participation with all the partners in the FACT Family Resource Center networks, our average cost to serve a family is uh, $1,255. Um, so uh, it's Ben Franklin's, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I mean, if we can really work with these families um, early, uh, we can, uh, can help them in ways that are profound, both for the adults and the children in the family. And I think the other piece of Family Resource Centers that's so important is that they draw in other partners. So we're able to work with um, faith-based organizations, with hospitals, with uh, different kinds of um, community groups that need a place um, to work with families. And we all come together to bring the maximum amount of benefit. And so some of that becomes community philanthropy as well, as different organizations are able to contribute uh, in addition to an, um, uh, an important source of funding, which includes our public partners and, uh, in particular, the Social Services Agency, that really made a significant commitment um, 19 years ago to put resources into the community and to meet families where they are, and um, that should be applauded. Absolutely. I love that you said meet families where they are, because, you know, I would imagine anybody that is listening or that finds themselves in a situation where they're facing uh, accepting the fact that their definition that we've presented here today and that they're realizing they're in an abusive environment doesn't ever expect to be where they are. So that first phone call is probably the, the hardest one. Where would somebody make that first phone call? Would it be to the Child Abuse Registry? Would it be to Human Options? We have a hotline we can put out for Human Options. Um, that's 877 854 three five nine four that's a good place to start I also wanted to offer uh, for our student population here that we have the counseling center here would be another great place to start that number is a local area code nine four nine eight two four sixty four fifty seven if you select option two on that number you can call any time of the day otherwise um, option one for during normal business hours eight two four six five four seven um, the fact orange um, the fact organization that Marianne has been sharing with us today is seven one four seven zero four eight seven 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 and you can do a little bit of your own research online by going to factoc.org f-a-c-t-o-c dot org Marianne, is the first call to some a place like FACT, or what, what, what is that first step? It's, it's critical. It's the most important and probably the most difficult. Well, I think for a lot of folks, the first call is probably to their local family resource center. So we have them throughout the county, um, South Orange County. That's Ray's Foundation, and um, uh, we have two in Santa Ana. They're in Anaheim, La Habra. I'm going to forget somebody, Westminster Garden Grove, all around. So often um, the first call is to a family resource center that is in their community. Uh, the number that you gave out, we can certainly help people find the closest uh, family resource center to them. That would be the Child Abuse Registry, that number, or the one, the FACT one? The FACT number. Okay. The Child yes, Abuse Registry is the number that you call when you suspect child abuse and you want to report that. Okay. Uh, with FACT, I mean, we're the prevention resources when your family feels you need some support and you'd like to uh, speak to a community resource specialist or a family advocate and, uh, and help build the strength of your family. Can I just say to make it easy, 
um, we do have two one one in Orange County, and, and oh that, wow, I didn't even know about yes, that. Yes, and that means you literally just dial two one one, and um, and there and that is a resource giving. That's all they do is say, "I'm a victim of domestic violence. I need to talk to somebody." Um, I think my neighbor next door is abusing a child. What do you think I should do? Um, I need I need housing right now. And so that's a wonderful resource. I'll give you another tip about domestic violence. In the state of California, if you're a victim of domestic violence and need services, all you need to dial is information 411, and the operator will put you through to the nearest battered women's shelter but 211 we use here in the county yes okay I've never ever heard of that that's mm-hmm. amazing okay that's an amazing resource we um, we're drawing down on our time we have about six minutes left of our discussion I would like um, you know I have a friend who there certainly no abuse is happening to her but she just moved here from far away and starting her family over as a single parent and I said, listen, we need to get you dialed into some of the services that can help you and support you while you're going through this, you know, trying to direct her towards health care. She's she um, she has a has a job, but it's not it's not going to be uh, a sustainable income to support, you know, three people. And she said to me, I really, really, really don't want to become part of the system. She goes, I really don't help me and the listeners understand what what that means to her and and let's draw a distinction if we can I believe she meant not part of the social services or to be reported as an at-risk family that may not be able to meet basic needs but if somebody were to call in does that put them square in the face of being quote-unquote part of the system Shirley, you're no. shaking your head no. <laughs> I think that's such an important thing yeah. to put out there because here's an individual who's not reaching out right. because their fear of having somebody look into their situation in such a way where maybe cause judgment or maybe, you know, would threaten this, the um, the uh, keeping her family together. Thanks. Can we talk about that? Because I think that must be a huge concern for people. So let's talk about the difference. She, she may mean that on many different levels. She may mean that she doesn't want to get food stamps or be a part of um, somebody who needs financial assistance. My husband always says to me, you know, we're we're just one, all one step away <laughs> from needing that. Anything can happen to us so that our financial resources just go away or get diminished. Um, so I think that it's important to remember that the county offers lots of different things. It doesn't mean that you're going to be put into um, some re- somebody's going to report you someplace or anything else unless you are doing something that is illegal. So I think this 211 is a great thing for her to call and say, gee, what if I need... Do you have any assistance for somebody that has missed their utility payment? Or what if somebody it wants to move into a new apartment and they need first and last month's rent? What if they're looking for affordable housing? What if they're looking for a better job? What kind? Because there's all kinds of, of people out there. One stop is a place where you can go and look for job opportunities and get some training and 
and uh, working wardrobes, women helping women. So there's all kinds of agencies that she can just find out about, get a list of things. So, but she will not be put in a into that that into that, that system, system where she's being monitored. And <laughs> exactly. so two one one is called what? You had a name for it? Did you just give get, give out a name? One stop is what you said, no, or you just uh, one stop is is where people can go if they uh, want to find employment. Okay. It's run by the county. It's um, it's it's a a, a a service for employment for finding employment and helping you put resumes together and things like that. Okay, good. So back to that key component of awareness, Eldon, Marianne. Anybody want to say? Uh, some final words about awareness. Um, I, I would just like to let everybody know that uh, next Wednesday, the 9th, um, the Rays Foundation will be hosting the kind of a kickoff event for Child Abuse Awareness Month at Bowers Museum, 9 a.m. It's in Santa Ana. Um, and, you know, we, we welcome anyone to come to participate. Uh, we'll be celebrating a few folks that have made some significant contributions to helping children and families. Um, and we will also be recognizing uh, the three children that, that died here in Orange County last year because of child abuse. So we'll have a little ceremony for that and uh, just try to push out the idea that it's important that all of us become aware, that all of us take action, that all of us have a role to play in helping children. Um, that the number one factor that keeps coming back again and again and again is this the family isolation, the social isolation. It's a very, very significant risk factor. So I, I want to stress the fact that it really is all of our responsibility to be a part of this, to reach out to our neighbors, to reach out to the people that are uh, in, you know, the school down the street, uh, to help a teacher, to just to be part of the solution. Absolutely. Marianne, do you have any final words you want to share? Uh, I just write on Eldon, um, and I think the event on the 9th will be a, a wonderful opportunity, not only for the community of, um, of individuals and agencies working for child abuse prevention, but the entire community. So I hope to see you all there. Wonderful. And Shirley, anything else? No. Nope. All right. Well, thank you all for being here. Um, I, for one, am very thankful to know about the resources that are available. So I'm glad we got a chance to share that with our community. And uh, I thank you all for your time and for being uh, some of those extraordinary people that we are just feel so honored to honor here on our show today. So thank you all for coming into the studio. Up next is going to be Counterspin. And uh, then after that, Matt Kaplan brings you Planetary Radio. So uh, stay tuned with us here at KUCI, ongoing with our public affairs block, and then on to uh, Kyle, Things That Are Square. Thank you. Hi, I'm Tim Heidecker. Hi, I'm Eric Werheim. And we're here to bring you another friendly tip for you new renters out there in a series we're calling <laughs> Renters Woes. <laughs> tip number 57, Street Edition. Keep it real, y'all. Real safe, y'all. Yo, homie, I know living in the streets looks tight on TV, but you gotta know, it ain't that hot on the radio.